Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast where we talk about all things Trek and more. Today, we are here to review episode 10 of season three of Star Trek Discovery, Terra Firma Part 2. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who Story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Happy holidays to everyone as of when we're recording this. So, yeah, glad to be here and curious to hear what you guys think about this. Yeah, happy holidays indeed. You know, I'm always looking for, or I wish there was a uh, Christmas-centric Trek episode. I don't think one of those exists. Uh, maybe you guys can enlighten me if there is one, but I don't I don't think there is one. Um, it's always funny in the Doctor Who world, we always have these Christmas episodes to bank on when, when Christmas rolls around. But unfortunately for the, uh, you know, Star Trek world, I don't think it's much of that going on. You know, I cannot think of a single one. I don't, I don't think there's any like holiday themed episodes that I can think of that are like Earth holidays. And I wonder if that's on purpose. I would think so, actually. They're probably beyond all of that. Beyond Christmas. That's disappointing. But those voices you hear there are from the Ready Room Studios in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And the, one of those voices is none other than the Trek historian, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? I am doing great, man. Doing great. We actually, because I have the unfortunate luxury of working on Christmas Day, I always have to do my Christmas a little before. So we did our Christmas this past weekend, which was pretty awesome, man. And my stepson and his wife bought me this. I wish we were doing video and I could show you. Uh, They bought me this uh, Starfleet Academy T-shirt that's pretty awesome. Ah, awesome. And my stepdaughter also bought me two bottles of blood wine. What? Wow. <laughs> well, you know, we since we had a little bet going on. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I'm only getting attached to one bottle. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm going to have to figure out how to get that to you because you cannot ship alcohol in Mississippi. Sounds like a road trip. Yeah, sounds like a road trip. <laughs> but I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Awesome. And that other voice you hear there is the Stargate story himself, Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Really it, excited. It 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 certainly um is another interesting episode. And I think the collective episodes, this this two parter, man, it's it's I think it's kind of a gem. I don't know. We'll get into it. So, guys, as always, you can support the show by subscribing, leaving a review and telling a friend. If you have a review idea, please send that along. And with anything else you want us to know to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any and all social media. So I don't have any news personally, but I will throw it to Jeremy, which I think he has some news he wants to talk about. So it's not so much news so much as uh, we are, I think, two episodes away from having 900 total Star Trek episodes Throughout really? all the years. See, I thought it would have been more than that, <laughs> quite honestly. But wow, man. See, it takes dedication if you want to be 100% across the board, because that is a lot of episodes, dude. That is a ton of episodes. Wow. Wow. And you know, it slows down lately once you get into these uh, CBS All Access series where they're going from 20, what, 22 episodes to 10. 
So, yeah, we've kind of slowed that rate of growth down just a little bit. And, you know, you got the 20 year gap as well. So <laughs> but just think, you know, the next quarantine, you know, how much entertainment you have just based on one show alone. Don't you dare never say the next quarantine again. <laughs> um, and I have a couple of things. Um, number one, uh, Star Trek Lord Dex is headed to Amazon Prime Video. In the U.S.? Not in the U.S., unfortunately. Um, it's in inter- international regions, U.K., Australia, New Zealand, Europe, Japan, and India. It'll be all 10 episodes of the first season uh, which launches on January 22nd, 2021. But the rumor is it eventually will come to Amazon Prime Video in the U.S., but that's not set in stone yet. And Green Rant did an interview with, I'm going to butcher his name, Alexander Sadiq. Sadiq? Yeah, that's right. Dr. Bashir. Bashir. Yeah. Uh, they did an interview with him, and he is also wanting to join the Picard show. <laughs> I would rather see them on a spiritual successor to DS9. That's what yeah. I want to see. <laughs> so that that's kind of where that that interview went. It was, you know, what if they would redo DS9, would it be willing? And he absolutely would be. Uh, but I just don't think they have any plans of that right now. I think that would actually be very cool. I would too. I agree. And considering what they're doing at Disney with Star Wars, I would, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I would have said, do we really need all these Star Trek episodes or stories and TV shows? But then again, look at how many Marvel slash Star Wars Disney is doing. So more the merrier, I say. Yeah, and that's definitely a conversation I want to have once we, you know, finally wrap up this season of Star Trek Discovery. I would like to have just a conversation about the health of CBS All Access. You know, I think they're doing okay, But when you take into consideration um, what's going on with HBO Max and how they've touted all these movies. And like you just mentioned, Cal, uh, Disney Plus and the crap ton of shows they've announced for their streaming service. Uh, you really have to think about, you know, what what is the health of CBS All Access? And even when you just talk about Star Trek and Star Trek Discovery and a lot of people are just now seeing it, that it's airing on, you know, live television. Uh, so it we definitely need to sit down and have that conversation once this season is wrapped up. All right, guys. Well, if nothing else, we will go ahead and get into our review of Terra Firma Part 2. Terra Firma Part 2 is the 10th episode of Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. It aired on December the 17th, 2020, and was directed again by Omar Madha, who has an extensive television directing history. And it was written by Boyan Kim, Erica Lippolt, and Alan B. McElroy. Giorgio uncovers the plot against her, leading her to a revelation about how deeply her time on the USS Discovery has truly changed her. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. And with that said, let's go to Cal Jones to give us the story beats of this episode. Mr. Jones. So I have two. I actually have two story beats this time, but just for warning, before we get to the second one, do not adjust your microphones. Do not think that there's something wrong. I'm here. 
<laughs> just just know that there's not something wrong with your recording whenever I get to the second one. But my first one says, Burnham's bad, Burnham's good. It's all about choices, and it is a story that comes full circle, whether I like it or not. Okay? Mm. Story beat number one. Story beat number two. Here we go. And that was my story beat number two, because I am in protest, and I am taking a vow of silence for that story beat. There you go. Mm. Interesting. (laughs) Once again, at the end of the episode, we'll have to know what that is all about. Or maybe it's just pretty apparent there. <laughs> yeah. Can I go ahead and say it? Kyle was throwing a tantrum. Oh, wow. Okay. So you don't act out when you throw your tantrums. You just get silent. At least uh, for that dramatic effect. But yeah. <laughs> but let's go around a horn and see what everybody else thinks of this episode. And let's start with you, Jeremy. What are your overall thoughts of this episode? To me, this is probably this, this well, part one and part two together is probably the best storyline of this show. So your favorite storyline is one that has nothing to do with the normal uh, progression of the show. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. John, what do you think? Uh, So another great episode. I really enjoyed watching this, although there were some parts that may or may not affect my rating up or down. We'll get to that later. Uh, But I, I guess the thing that sticks out to me most is I don't know if this makes sense or may sound crazy, but I forgot I was watching Star Trek. Interesting. In a bad way? No, it was in a good way, actually. I I, I, I very much appreciated the departure and, it, and it's clearly setting groundwork for something else. But it also could set the groundwork for something that we don't have that they should do like. Anyway, I don't want to get into all that. We'll get into spoilers. But uh, it was a good thing. It was a good thing. But I like I forgot the Trek universe. I forgot about the Federation other than the few times we talked about the signal. But and I think that was a good thing. Was was it when Burnham said Rodney Hill bitched it threw you off? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. But no. <laughs> wow. Wow. Man, I love that Burnham. I really do. Cal Jones, what do you you think, man? All right. So if I'm going at this from a reviewer's standpoint and looking at it from how did I like the episode and how did I think it was executed, I think they did a very good job. It was brilliantly acted. It closed the door on a chapter that began in the very first episode very well. There was, you know, visuals that were cool. All of that was very, very cool. What I didn't like was my story points last time ended with me saying, long may she remain. And the very next freaking episode, she's gone. So that, but as far as the story itself, I thought it was very good, and I will actually agree with Jeremy. I think it was one of the best that they've done throughout this entire series. Well, Kyle, she does remain somewhere in space and time. True. Just not in the 32nd century. True, true, true. So for me, um, it's just like the last one, man. This was awesome. Again, um, I loved seeing Bad Burnham do her thing and her... Uh, quote unquote road to redemption (laughs) 
and just everything about it. And and man, Michelle, yo, I'm a miss her. She's a treasure. She she's so good. And it made me wish we got more of her after, um, you know, more of Mira Jojo, Jojo in the I guess the normal process of the show. And it's just hard because they got so many characters. But I really love Michelle, yo, and I'm really, really I need a moment of silence as well, but we'll get into all of that. <laughs> we will. Let me say this real quick before I forget it. You know, I would have rather sacrificed, if we want to call it that, if we were going to do what we did being the showrunners, I would have rather have seen less of the trail action of the characters that they presented with them to until she exited and had more of her rather than devote so much time to them and less time to her, if I had my way. Yeah, because we really, other than having another super smart person on the ship in Adira, I don't think we've really witnessed the full scope of what she's going to be to the story. But like you said, she did take a, some of the time we could have been spending with with Giorgio. And then certainly Giorgio got her moments, scavengers, you know, um, also in the the, the episode where we go and say, go to books. Well, no, she didn't get much. She was sick by the end. I guess just scavengers was the only episode. She really did a lot. And, you know, uh, uh, far from home as well. The second episode, she had a lot of, um, she had a lot of action in. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you, man. And, but let's go ahead and get into the episode. We begin the episode on the ISS discovery and Burnham has been placed in the brig at the emperor's behest. Burnham insists the Emperor is weak, while Giorgio insists they give the Empire that she give the Empire something to live for. And then, you know, the torture begins. Let's talk about Giorgio's attempt to break Burnham. You know, we'll get into the portrayal at the end, but at the moment, did it seem as if Giorgio was making a dent in the very defiant mirror Burnham? And I'll start with you, Cal Jones. What do you think about this first attempt to actually break Burnham? Very good attempt. But it was, I think, a story about showing how much she had changed, she being the emperor. And looking at it from knowing what the mirror universe was, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy the that she was going to be changed in the least. But I think it was very smart to show her try to straddle that between, you know, between I'm going to be the emperor, but yet I'm going to be who I've become and maybe slowly realizing that she's not the person she was anymore. So I think it was needed, but I didn't buy it. Yeah, I do agree. That was more about Giorgio maybe than than Burnham at that point. Uh, but but John, Jeremy, what do you think about this attempt to break Burnham? Was it believable to you guys? Were you did you have you hook, line and sinker like they had me? No, no. <laughs> I listen. I and to my surprise, Giorgio didn't fall for it either. But like this whole time, from the beginning to the end, I was like, "This is not real. Like, it's not going to work. She's not going to break." I mean, she's badass already, and you think that a little bit of pain is going to change that? Like, it their problems went deeper than pain. I guess if that's a good way of describing it, like. I don't think a little torture would have broken her. I wouldn't have thought that to begin with. And I would assume she knew her better than I did and would have known that as well. 
Mm. Jeremy? I mean, I kind of agree with Jonathan on that. I mean, it was a very nice-looking failure on Georgia's part. Uh, I mean, I don't think she was convinced that torture was going to work. She was just kind of grasping at straws. <sighs> Man, they they very much had me. I, well, I'll say this. I wanted to believe. I really wanted to believe they could. she could change Burnham as Burnham changed her over the course of a couple of seasons. And I think may, it may have been you, Jonathan, that said this on the last review of part one is that in, in, in George O's case, in Emperor George O's case, she had a whole universe of optimism to push her in the right direction versus right. we're still in this mirror. You, this version of the mirror, you where, you know, George O is the only one, <laughs> <laughs> the only one, man. And then again, that's that's kind of where that's where why my expectations weren't too high, because, I mean, it took, like I said, the entire universe of different thought to change George O and a lot of time. And just to think that George O would be enough to change someone who has pretty much this is their life. This is all they know. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, it just, it wasn't enough. You know what I mean? And maybe, maybe there's a fault to be given to the writers and they probably didn't have enough time, but if we had invested a little more time and energy into the details of the breaking of Burnham, then I would have invested more into it. You know, there's obviously months gone by that they went through this, but from the viewer's perspective, it wasn't. Yeah. So, it, it, it that alone made it not convincing. Like even the whole Firefly story thing, like maybe a visual flashback of that scene would have made me grasp the importance more of those fireflies being beside her bed when she woke up. Like obviously that that was supposed to be something that made the viewers think it was possible for the change. But I didn't invest enough thought into that. Yeah, visually that Firefly scene is probably one of my most favorite scenes from Discovery period. I mean, you have a broken and battered Sonequa Martin-Green, and they really did a freaking number on her, by the way. <laughs> she truly looks yeah. like she's been freaking tortured. Yeah. But they do this wonderful pan down on the globe, and she's looking through the globe. I thought that was just excellent. The beautiful framing on that on that shot. I just really loved it. I just wish I would have seen that uh, particular scene where Georgia was saying she would run out into the field of fireflies. Yeah. And then like it would change like that. If I would have visually seen that, then it would have made that a bit more grabbing. Yeah, no, I, I totally think it would reinforce. I think what Kyle said in the last review is uh, uh, nurture, not nature. Right. Although COVID said they're predisposed to be evil, whatever. But, you know, in a world where everything is evil. He kind of, <laughs> and even even George Joe makes his wonderful uh, one of her few monologues in this uh, episode. She says this thing where here, where strength is power and terror is love, there is no other way to reach you besides this very brutal torture that she went through. So let's talk about what I'm calling the the mirror universe's Order sixty six. Star Wars fans will know what that is. <laughs> so we have a redeemed Burnham, so we think, back on Jojo, Emperor Jojo's side. 
and she's going to name and execute her co-conspirators again after Giorgio supposedly gained her trust. Um, as much as I know, and we all know this is a Mirror Universe episode and maybe in an alternate reality version of the Mirror Universe episode, how do we feel about our beloved characters meeting their maker in this Order 66-esque sequence? John, you, you start with that. Well, on the flip side of my previous uh, statement, the lack of visual input from these scenes made it okay with me. <laughs> it would have been heart-wrenching to watch her kill these people that we've grown to love. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we did get a shot of her uh, shooting, what's her name? I Ricky Sharma. Landry. Yeah, Landry. There you go. And, and you know, that kind of got me a little bit, but and then the Detmer one got me. But I mean, just the, for all of them, like if they would have showed them all individually, that would have hurt. Oh, <laughs> now, not saying it would have caused it or made it bad. Maybe it would have made it even better episode. And maybe not. But I'm glad that they did not. I see. I'm on the flip side of that. I kind of wish they would have shown them individually to kind of drive home how much she has come back to the fold. True. You're just a violent person. Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> But well, they definitely did a wonderful thing with the com badges, you know, just throwing them on the table, you know, one or two, then just drop a pile of them. I thought that was really yeah. effective way to that convey was. that. But but Cal, the death of Detmer, you know, the last, you know, George O says, are you finished? <laughs> cold blooded question mark. So I'm going to sound cold blooded in my response because it didn't bother me at all in the least. How dare you? I mean, I mean, I couldn't get emotionally invested in these characters because I wasn't a quite sure if they were real or not. You know, if this was some kind of imaginary thing that really wasn't happening. I know we found out that we did. But again, I'm going to sound really, really cold hearted. But I don't know these people. I know there are other versions. <laughs> Kyle, if I saw if I saw a version of you get off, I would still feel disheartened. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. But see, but see, I know no you you guys. That would that's different. Uh, well, you know, Kyle makes a good point, uh, and it, it did cross my mind in the scene. You know, she was throwing these cum badges, and I mean, if it wasn't for the Deadmer scene. I would have questioned whether or not she actually killed them. Oh, good point. Like if these were her allies, she could have just said, Hey, give me your badges. Good point. Good point. So up until the Detmer part, like I, I kind of questioned her. I questioned her a little after this part. I was kind of sold on her coming back. We'll move on. But I want to mention something real quick to let me know. The mirror universe really is cold blooded. Burnham was talking about craving ganglia when she was in her cell. You know, it occurred to me. <laughs> You know, not only do they dehumanize these Kelpians for being slaves, they eat them later. I I never really thought of it in that terms, but they you're a slave to you, useful, not useful anymore. Then we're going to eat you. What the what? Cold blooded. And believe it or not, like Giorgio's explanation of not having Kelpian on the menu again was pretty pretty bad too like, <laughs> she said they're high in cholesterol and kind of stringy <laughs> that's terrible oh boy so Jeremy speaking of Kelpians were we surprised about Giorgio's revelation to mirror Saru about Fahari 
a little, but I kind of thought about it for a minute. And like, you know, he's a tool He's for her because, I mean, he's a slave. Nobody's going to think about, you know, talking in front of a slave because what what other use do they have? Yeah. So, I mean, I thought it was kind of, you know, she was continually using her, using him as a slave in, in that respect. I didn't see it that way. I, I mean, I thought she was, I don't think she really wanted to use him as a slave, but in that particular circumstance, that was the only and best way to protect him. Like she couldn't just give him his own quarters in a lavish room. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he had to still, they, she still had to show his, him being a lower species. Yeah. And that was, you know, anything less than that will have, would have really tipped her hand. Yeah. If, if he said you're going to get yourself killed, you know, in so many words um, for her, you know, being so symp- sympathetic to, to him. Oh, and, and another great thing she says in one of her speeches throughout this episode, she tells Saru survive. That's how you honor them. Speaking of the rest of the Kelpians who've died before him, teach others what you know. That's how you avenge them. So, so yeah, many good. good quotes from her in this episode. I was I was personally glad that she told him that. I don't know. It was just something empowering about that. Definitely for Saru, obviously. But I mean, I just felt better. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but like, I was happy about that. Like, it's like unlocking a secret power someone has. Yeah. You know, uh, like, oh. And we get a payoff from it at the end. So. Kyle? No, I, I'm agreeing with everything those guys were saying. I, I don't really have anything else to add there, but uh, you guys were spot on. Yeah, and I'll say, too, that that moment really showed me that Giorgio had changed. She had grown this affection for Saru. You know, through their bickering and battles over the course of the last two seasons, uh, she somehow truly, you know, bonded with him. And, you know, it's just another point that shows she she's changed, although we don't just outright see it in the prime universe. But she, you know, she's really over time changed her views on a lot of this stuff. So let's go ahead and uh, talk about some of the Mirror U performances. What was your favorite? And I'll start with Kyle. What was your favorite performance from a Mirror Universe character? Oh, that would have to be Burnham, hands down. The 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 difference that she was able to bring between her version, be you know, I mean, our version and that version, um, just just brilliant. I was so hands down. It would have to be Burnham. Yeah. What about you, John or Jeremy? Any any favorites from the Mirror You performances that you want to point out? Uh, so Kyle kind of stole mine. Oh, <laughs> uh, because again, I love this Burnham, but uh, good runner up, if not evenly as appreciated, was Killy or Tilly. Yeah, like I really liked her in the mirror. You like it, it's, and I guess it's just the confidence she had, the swagger she had, and at the same time, it's like she was deceptively evil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you could see her and wouldn't think twice, wouldn't think anything about it, and she'd like slit your throat and then <laughs> smile and eat Gangaville right next to you. <laughs> like it, it, it was cool. I, I really liked her character in this. Jeremy, did you have any? Well, Jonathan just kind of stole mine there, but for, <laughs> but my, I think mine's for a little bit different reason, and I'm not sure the best way to say this, but she's almost Captain Killy's almost more feminine yeah. than uh, than prime Tilly because I mean she's her hair is like done up she's wearing darker makeup she her motions are more 
feminine, which I think her think made her more dangerous because you know she can still you she can kill you and still look pretty and not think anything about it. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of get that. Like, I, through watching this, and it didn't really cross my mind, but I kind of looked at Tilly a little differently. You know, as, uh, I, like... <laughs> was the hair? Did the hair get you, man? It may have been the hair. It was the attitude. It was the way she... Like, you know, the prime Tilly you look at, and it's just... I just cons- consistently look at her as just a young child coming up. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's nothing there. But this Tilly, I'm like... You know, I could date her. <laughs> she's pretty cool. I mean, this, this the the mirror Tilly. She's she's and, and, you know, forgive me if I'm like offending anyone would say this, but she's like a grown woman, right? Who knows who she is, knows what she wants, and she does it. Yeah, and she gets it. Where the prom Tilly, you know, like Jonathan said, you know, she's just child growing up. And I agree with on both of you guys' points. I thought Tilly was 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 awesome as well as Burnham. And you know, I love Giorgio's uh, Michelle Yeoh's performance as well. I thought all of those were pretty fantastic. And I think I mentioned this last episode, but I love that they brought Arium back as just a normal human. I thought that was awesome. Uh, same actor that played her in season two, and I like that they had Nielsen with the dark hair. I thought that yeah. was pr- freaking cool as well. So hey, and there's honorable mention. He didn't get many scenes, but the few he was in, I loved it. Was Colbert? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know if he made much of an impact for me, but it was cool to see him in his uh, switching out his white for a red uniform. <laughs> <laughs> he could play a bad guy pretty good. Like I, I could see him. He's he's almost on the same level as Tilly. I think you know more subtle alterations to his character. Right. That made him more evil. I would say that it was more of a backbone a little bit. Not saying that the other one doesn't have, but he was more forceful as a character. And, you know, the and it's like the little nuances that you, you know, we're just referring to. So I don't necessarily, you know, think that it was just anything big, but it was just he seemed more self-assured, I should say. How about that? That works. Perfect. So, big question of the day. Maybe it's the biggest. Who the frack is Duggan? What? So, my... A plot device. <laughs> so, so, so my guess here, I guess I'll take this one. My guess here is that they wanted to get Jason Isaacs. They really wanted to, but something happened where they couldn't get him. So, let's make up this character, Valorka's Lieutenant Duggan. What? It's just... That... If anything in this episode totally threw me out of it, it was him. This dude we ain't never seen before, don't know anything about. I would have rather they had took uh, Rika Sharma off the off the ship and put her, made her Doug. You know, made her that character than being because because she was his lieutenant in the in the uh, Prime and Mirror Universe for, that we know. So the fact that they just brought this dude nobody knows about just weird, just weird. He's a MacGuffin. I didn't have a problem with him. It was kind of like a in one ear out the other or in one eye out the other. Yeah. Say. Like I, I didn't have a problem with him or without him. He, I think as Jeremy just said, plot device and it worked for me. I was okay with it. So we get the final showdown. Giorgio makes a final plea to burn him before the, the final showdown ensues. And this is a question I've certainly been saving up for Jonathan. How did you like that fight, sir? You know, now that I think about it, it was a pretty good fight scene. I didn't look, I guess I didn't invest much into the fight scene and a credit to the writers because I was so involved in the story. Like, I'm that whole time, I'm like, 
man, is Burnham, I mean, is Giorgio holding back? Is Burnham holding back? Who's going to kill who? Like, how's this going to play out? Uh, and I was really hoping, like, I just, I kind of had a feeling Giorgio knew or suspected that she hadn't broken her. And the Giorgio that I know, I was expecting to have a grand plan to, like, backup plan other than just people busting in the room to help her. So the whole time I was kind of looking for that big turn. You know what I mean? It didn't happen. It was just a good fight scene. But the fight scene was pretty good. Well, you know, people did bust in to help her, though. I mean, you had Saru throwing people off the ceiling. You know, you had yeah, now, that was to... awesome. But, you know, I was expecting maybe she had a... This is a change, Giorgio, man. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I was still Giorgio. Like, I was kind of like, man, you're Giorgio. But you also know better than anyone how what people are like in this universe. And what and you knew she knew exactly what kind of person Burnham was in this universe, even though she was trying to change her. She knew. So something interesting about that fight. If you watch the um, was it the Ready Room with Will Wheaton, of course, where uh, he talks to Michelle Yeoh about this episode. Really good, a really good, um, well, a really good, really good Ready Room with with her on it. Just you know, I love Michelle Yeoh and. In that episode, she talks about the fight scenes and any fight scene that she's in, she's pretty much giving direct input on what she wants it to look like. So her being such a trained fighter and uh, martial artist, you, you, if you go and watch that scene again, everything that Giorgio did, it was all defensive fighting. If you look at it, she wasn't attacking. She was just trying to keep Burner from killing her. Right. You know? So she she wasn't trying what, to strike her down. That's but, where I went to. Like, is she holding back? Like, I just but I had that feeling like she was holding back. Well, you know, she is the only person, the only stunt, the only uh, woman that Jackie Chan will let do her own stunts in his movies. Really, I didn't know that. That's something I didn't know. Well, maybe that was twenty years ago. I don't think he can fly with that today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's still a pretty admirable feat, though. Yeah. I just want to say I love Giorgio. I just think she's awesome. And I just am more. I'm just sitting here listening to you guys. I'm like, I finally found a character in Star Trek that I since uh, Beverly Crusher that I could really, 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 really connect with. And then she's gone. Eh. Beverly Crusher, really? Beverly Crusher? Yeah, I was pissed off whenever I really liked her in the first season and they replaced her with me. Pulaski. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on that 100%. But in the end, Vern, Burnham eventually had to die, and I guess George O, too, if you look at it in that sense. So we're back on Dennis 5. What seems like three months of biodata to George O was only, it was less than a minute for Burnham and Carl. Um, so I'll have to say this. Um, was my assessment correct? And then you that, were right. And that, well, 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 were right. Well, before I get to the forever entity, could you refresh me on what you're talking about, please? Well, 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 for, well, before I get to that, let me say last week I said that this might be an alternate mirror universe, which I think Carl pretty much confirmed. Uh, and of course, if it wasn't, the events of Discovery Season 1 would be much different. So he kind of confirmed that it's an alternate mirror you that he sent her to. But I, I guess I was I was right about this entity, right? Jonathan, I like my blood wine chilled. <laughs> I'll have you a bottle of 23. Shake a nut stir. <laughs> I, man, I don't know what 
I really wanted it to be Q, and I don't know if it's because I really truly wanted it to be Q or I just wanted to be right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I guess it I guess it does fit a little better. Uh, I think if you had stuck Q there, then like his ability would have excused a lot of different storylines. Yeah. And then we would have been questioning, well, why didn't he just do this? And why didn't he just do that? And why couldn't he have just done like so I guess it had it couldn't have been Q. But darn I wish I was around. I wish I could have just seen the look on your face when he says <laughs> Guardian of Forever. <laughs> <laughs> so so I mean, we got some good tidbits here. So the Guardian tells us that he's been in hiding and explains that um that he is a space time portal, which we get from um, City on Edge of Forever. We know that from that episode as well, as well as I think it was a TAS episode, animated series episode where um, the Guardian of Forever was in, as well as many books as well. But he says that he's been in hiding because he was being used as a pawn during the temporal war. So I really like how they tied that into the whole temporal mm-hmm. wars uh, from what, three or 400 years ago uh, that we, you know, we didn't get to see on screen, but you know, they've, they've talked about a lot in this series. Um, so he says that he was sending Giorgio back to be tested to see if he could really send her back to, and this is a question mark I have where, so Kyle did, did she get sent back to the 2250s in the, you know, where, where we left off with, with uh, Pike and, and, and crew in her former position with Section 31, or is she going somewhere else? You, you, so, what's your so thoughts I, on that? So I think it's going to determine where the answer to your question ultimately comes from where does or do the powers that be from Paramount, Star Trek, whoever, where do they want to take this character next, if anywhere? And that that's what determines that is it section 31 quite possibly because i know we were all saying last year well how you know they must not be doing a section 31 now because you know here we go she's going into the future and she was supposed to be a part of this well now you got the back door to get her back in a way that doesn't give them being the crew of discovery a back door to go back in the past as well because they don't know where she went and it was a universal being that sent her there. Yeah. But I think we'd have to assume that it's back in the 2250s because of the whole temporal interdimensional thing that was causing her to be sick in the first place. So that's what I'm assuming. But but who knows? Who knows? What are your thoughts, Jeremy? I was I was going to say about the same thing. It's my understanding that, you know, you either can be in the, the same time or the same place. You can't you know, either be back in the mirror universe in your time or the prime universe in your proper time, but you know, you can't be out of both, which is why she was sick to begin with. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty certain that she's is mostly certain that she's going to be back in the 2250s with Ash Tyler. Cause I think Ash Tyler is supposed to be a part of the section 31 show as well. So yeah. He also said, which kind of threw it for me and this, this deal could be in the 2250s. I'm not sure, but part of what he said is I'm sending you back to a time. And I don't know the exact quote, when both universes were together. So part of the problem is they keep separating further and further as time goes by. So I don't I don't think they ever really mentioned like in the twenty two fifties era like how far apart they were and how much it took for her to get there. But obviously she started getting sick when she crossed over. So maybe it's before that? 
Well, well, COVID said there hadn't been a crossing in 500 years. COVID did say that. So it's been at least 500 years since they've been close enough to, you know, I guess to be somewhat in sync. Right. So mm. let's go ahead and talk yeah. about the big goodbye and let Kyle get some more silence slash tears out. <laughs> uh, such a freaking powerful performance by Michelle Yeoh. And man, I didn't cry, but <laughs> some of the stuff she said to uh, Burnham said to her was was so good. And, you know, she tells she tells Giorgio, you are my Philippa. You know what I feel belongs to you and no one else. And that just, you know, we talked about it before, how this harkens back to the very first two episodes of the series and the journey these two have made. And, you know, the rope of dope they pulled on us in the first <laughs> first couple episodes where we see a, you know, this beacon on a hill captain that doesn't make it past the, the, the first two episodes, but brought back in a different way in the journey. Uh, you know, us as the audience of getting more acquainted with this version of Philippa, as well as Burnham doing the same thing. So um, just just good stuff all around. Giorgio let us know that San was her turning point in the mirror universe where she possibly could have been good. But I'm assuming that San's death uh, that we do see in those flashbacks is what, you know, maybe sent her over the edge to completely go bad. Uh, so I thought that was interesting as well. And 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 finally, before leaving, Giorgio lets Michael know that that she is far greater than she can imagine. And it and, and that lets me know that, you know, maybe the captain's seat is possibly somewhere in Burnham's future. But once we're back on the ship, Burnham lets Saru know that Giorgio is gone, but she doesn't give him the details of what happens. So I wonder if that point, is she just protecting the guardian of forever or is she protecting Saru from having to reveal that uh, to to Admiral Vance that they've had another time incursion, which is really against the law. Um, any any thoughts on that? Isn't it both? Perhaps. Maybe. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of took it as kind of a combination of all of it like when I don't think she made that conscious decision until that conversation and then in that conversation you know as Saru asked I think like maybe she did think about telling him but then she weighed the consequences of hey you're going to have to report back to Starfleet uh, this may cause an issue the Guardian has been hiding out that may cause an issue Yeah, maybe we'll go back for somebody want to go back for maybe somebody's looking for maybe the sphere data the sphere will discovery will incorporate this information into the sphere data which will also be a, so in in that circumstance in that instance she decided you know what it's probably best that we just leave it as she's dead it was oh, also better for her i think like i think she would rather just look at it as she's dead and gone and you know what i think you guys made me see something differently hearing you guys talk just then than whenever i've watched it through the first two times and that being I didn't really like the fact that they said that she was dead, but now it puts it in a different context as if in that reason, because they thought that she only had a 5% chance of surviving where in reality in their timeline, yes, she would have died hundreds of years ago. So, and she would in fact be dead. So I think you just framed it differently for me. So that makes me like the episode a little bit better. It's a cult. 
and what's interesting there is even if they pretty much went to search the the Federation database, they wouldn't find much on her anyway because she's Section 31. So I thought that's a nice bow to why they can't go back and see what happened to her. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. What did you guys think? And I'm going to throw this to you, Jeremy. What did you think of the final proceedings there when they're kind of uh, giving their goodbyes to Giorgio? Um, did it seem like a little bit too much or was it on point? What do you think? I, I, I think it was adequate because, I mean, that's probably more what, what Giorgio would have wanted. You know, she wouldn't she wouldn't have wanted like a state funeral or what have you, especially with these people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, a good toast and a couple memories and that's it. Yeah, I think that's all I want to do. But, but you know what? I think this would have been so different if. You know, that final scene that you're referring to, if this was back in the 90s when we had the other Star Trek series and pretty much only one for the most part was on at a time, let's just say. And this was the, say, second to the last episode of the series. And you're saying goodbye to this character right before the series ends. I think that would have had a different connotation and made that make a lot more sense. So I think they wrote it the way they would have maybe in that context, but it just happens to be in the third season of a show that we don't know how many seasons it's going to have. Yeah. Just quickly, I applaud Star Trek because their character send-offs are always great. Like, I I, I mean, they're always tearjerkers. And I, I mean, this one is just to add on to that. Uh, like the hope when Neelix was leaving the ship on Voyager and you had Tuvok do the little foot dance. That was oh, amazing. Oh, man, don't do it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, you know, DS9 had that big send off with everybody. That was, man, I cried. I, I cried the first time for sure. And probably every time after that, I want to cry. But now this one, my only critique, and Clarence, you led off with it, was, was it a bit too much? I think we could have done with a couple of less comments. I think one too many people made a comment, which I get it. Everybody had their own thing to say about it. And I think Burnham's final speech there was the best of the show. And I think that kind of made everything okay. She summed it up good and she closed it out well. But I could have done with a few less people. Maybe Colbert's comment could have been left out. Yeah, uh, we definitely needed to hear from Tilly. We definitely needed to hear from Saru. We definitely needed to hear from Burnham. But the rest of them, I mean, you don't really see Giorgio interact with them enough for them to want to get up and say anything. We, if that makes sense. And we didn't see poor Linus. He would have been in a corner crying probably. Oh, man. <laughs> He's probably still shedding. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I, I do like that the comments were so different. You just didn't have everybody saying, oh, she was the greatest, which you couldn't really say that about Emperor Giorgio. But I love that everybody's comment was kind of varied and different of their perspective of what they saw from her. And it wasn't all just glowing, but it was just like the thing they liked about her, which I thought was good. I think the one consistent thing from all of them, though, was her truth, truthfulness, her yeah. honesty, her brutal honesty. Was her candor. That came across to all of them. Yeah, absolute candor. <laughs> So previous to that on Discovery, we see Stamets and Adira hard at work in hacking into the Kepian ship's system, the Kith. When Jet Reno pops up talking about stealing, that they're stealing all her power. 
So while this scene feels kind of throwaway, uh, I, I think it's going to be impactful. So she's integrating polaric warp conduits into discovery. At first, it isn't really if it. OK, well, I put like this. It sounded strange to me when I first heard it. Like, why is she doing that? I guess it's 32nd century technology that she's integrating. But it felt weird. And when I went on Reddit to kind of look this up, somebody had a theory that if you remember the Star Trek Voyager episode time and again. So there is this episode where the whole planet is pretty much burnt to a crisp. I think it's a season one episode. Yeah. And when they go on the planet, when Janeway and the way team go on the planet, they get caught in a temporal rift that takes uh, Paris and Janeway to the past with these time fractures that kind of pushes them to the past. And that was caused by polaric energy. And I don't think it's used anywhere else that I, that I could find doing research. So apparently it's very explosive, (laughs) first of all. And if all of the ships have these polaric conduits, I'm, I'm just leaning toward a theory that maybe that could be something that has to do with, the burn. Um, hmm. That's just me thinking. I mean, I haven't I haven't got my theory down pat, but I just think it could come into play when you're talking about these polaric conduits in subspace. And and we know this signal was be- being sent on subspace constantly. I'm thinking, OK, did this signal cause cause these polaric conduits to blow up or something? Because maybe it's not the dilithium after all. We know that all dilithium didn't explode. So could it be I don't know. I'm, I'm, it, th- I'm theorizing. It could be. So, you know, on that Voyager episode, what caused the explosion was, you know, when they were in the, which this is a time episode. So actually, Voy- uh, Janeway caused the explosion or would have caused it. Uh, but they were in the reactor room, wherever this polaric energy was being created or distributed, whatever the case may be. And there was a fight and there was almost phaser fire. Yeah. And the, they found out that phaser being fired would cause that explosion because it will react with that polaric energy. So that being said, with your theory and going back to uh, what the uh, Romulan Vulcans said, they came up with these gates to yeah. travel through. So maybe this polaric energy on in these ships going through these gates may have caused that. Hmm reacted differently but that's definitely plausible yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to map it out and then we got the fact that book comes up with this plan after he's been reading both the field and technical manuals that we can use this emerald chain chain technology to amplify the signal through subspace to reach the ship so i'm like so i got a problem i got a couple of problems number one uh i mean all these smart people here and nobody thought to read the, I mean, go back to the tech manuals and figure this out, number one. And number two, if I'm not mistaken, basically he used a Wi-Fi extender. <laughs> and you mean to tell me the Federation didn't have a Wi-Fi extender? <laughs> well, to, to, to Adira and Stamets' defense, they don't know that much about 32nd century technology. So it may have been something that just wasn't on their radar. And plus, you know, he, he has Emerald Chain technology that he's using there. It's not standard Federation. It's a Wi-Fi extender. <laughs> Didn't nobody think about a signal booster? I'm sure they had signal boosters. 
well, amplified signal within some. Okay, I guess a uh, glorified Wi-Fi standard, if you want to call it that. Yes, but you know, I, I give my principal characters a pass on this one because you know they're from a different century. And book is just a little giddy, and I don't. Yeah, yeah, like that. That bothers me. Like I read the I'm used to book being like this cool, awesome guy. Like this, now he's like a like he's he's turning into Tilly. <laughs> Okay, come on now. See, I, I was feeling, let's not go negative on Tilly because I was actually feeling bad about some of the things I said way back in the beginning about uh, Tilly. So he's just trying to do what Saru said. Let's say that. Yeah, I agree with you, Kyle. While Saru did tell him to prove himself, but by the same token, I, I'm kind of on your side, John. He's like, I read the field of technical manuals. Here, here you go. Did I do good? Did I do good? Did that that liquor is just not Starfleet. You can't eat in here. Like, what? <laughs> Who is this guy? He, he probably printed them out and put them in a notebook or folder or something. <laughs> oh, he's committed on the memory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can't hate him for doing good, but still, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a big problem with it. It's just, it's just kind of off-putting to see him that way. But then we have Admiral Vance. Again, I can't quite put my finger on what's going on with him, but he's somewhat, he kind of chastises Saru in a way for not immediately telling them about the, the, you know, the signal in the, in the heart of the burn of the Veruvian Nebula. He does, he kind of chastises them, but, but I don't know, but then he kind of gives them some praise at the end. He gives them encouragement. So I don't, I, I can't quite read Vance. I don't know what's going on with him, but. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if we know all that's going on with him and the Federation at this point. And let's go around a horn and get everybody's rating for this episode. And let's start with you, Cal Jones. You know what? I'm going to give it a five. I'm going to give it a five because I think it was a strong episode. And I, even though, like I said, didn't like the ending, I understand why we get the ending. And it was well acted and you know five so there you go five five out of five awesome sauce jeremy what about you man i'm also going to go with a five i thought it was a really good send-off for what was becoming one of my favorite characters and um it was really well done yeah yeah Jonathan, i'm gonna go and say a five uh but it's a light five uh i mm, i really it was a great episode but it wasn't a trick episode for me but it had to happen. I know it had to happen and everything. It's going to lead up to more. Um, we got a great send off, which is awesome. We had some great lines, some great writing, some great scenes. Uh, but it kind of strayed away from Trek. And in what that, sense? This is uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess we just spent a lot of time in the mirror universe. And it, this is going to be very, very simple. But like. I seen less ship, less warp drive, less teleportation, less less everything trick. But it was, I, and I understand why. I mean, we had to invest into this storyline. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm still going to say a five, but I just had a hesitation there. You know less, what I mean? Less science, more fiction. No, I don't know how to explain it, but <laughs> there it is. Now I do have an issue, and it didn't really affect my rating. But I'm sick of this signal thing that they're working on. We we have to answer that the next episode. We have to. I think I think I definitely think we're going to get an answer to that. And it would help if they would build onto it a little more. But we've kind of been in the same place for three episodes with this signal. 
Okay, so Jonathan, I have an explanation, four words of why you don't like or, or, or gave it a five light. You, you, you ready? Yeah. That episode to you felt a little wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Oh, God. I'm cutting this out. <laughs> Don't you dare. Oh, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm going to give it a five. I'm giving it a strong five. I think these episodes in, together are, it feels like a freaking movie. Um, got connections to, you know, 1966 Trek. With the the forever or the garden of forever, which I thought was awesome, and and yeah, I loved all of that. I loved the look into this would would be, which normally, I honestly, honestly, normally I hate I hate shows where we do something that doesn't matter one bit. It's like a dream, and that's kind of what this is. But I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> so I still have to give it a, a strong five out of five. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I do want to mention one more thing that we didn't talk about, and it's not very important, but it was interesting to me. The opening credits, everything was upside down. Oh, yes, that was. Yes, I do. I did enjoy that. Did they not do that last episode, too? No, no, they didn't. And it goes back to that Netflix show that uh, where they were going. What was the name of that show? They kept calling the other world the upside down. Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was also like they had like a. They did the negative of what the normal color was as well. So I yeah. thought that was pretty yes. cool. But yeah. So let's go around a horn and see what everybody has been working on, podcast related or otherwise. Or, you know, what you want to, whatever you want to plug, whatever you're into at this moment. And let's start with you, John. What are you into lately, dude? Man, the new season, season five of The Expanse started last week and it is keeping track with the rest, man. It was awesome. So. Definitely get into that. And of course, the season two of Mandalorian coming to the end. I hadn't made it to the final episode, but it's great. Oh, you better hurry up before you get spoiled. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Because <laughs> yeah, I've there. been trying to avoid them. I've been stay off the Internet, it. dude. Yeah. yeah, stay off anything Internet. <laughs> I'm staying off a of slack. You guys are killing me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, um, yeah. So, Jeremy, what about you, man? What have you been too late into lately? Well, I've actually decided to wait to watch the Mandalorian until after Discovery goes off. But I'm the I'm the one guy that's okay with spoilers, so I kind of already know what's happening, and I'm cool with it. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, just, just you know, West Wing's about to leave Netflix, so I'm trying to get my fill there before it goes away. That's you know, just getting ready for the holidays. Awesome sauce. What about you, Cal Jones? So I will continue, as I usually do, say to anyone listening, if you are a fan of Doctor Who, you can check out Clarence, myself, and our friend Lee Shackelford on Discussing Who at DiscussingWho.com. Yeah, and for me, I won't say anything I'm currently watching right now other than, you know, catching up on some TOS and um, just watching Trek whenever I can. But I will say I'm excited to watch The Expanse when I have time. I haven't started on the latest season. Shame on me. But also, I'm really excited about the upcoming. I guess we have, what, a week or week and a half to wait to the to the Doctor Who New Year's Day special. So that's, oh, what, yes. I'm, that's what I'm excited for. <laughs> but nothing as of note that I'm actually watching right now. Well, all right, guys. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. As always, if you have feedback about the show, you can send it in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any and all social medias. Until next time, guys. Live long and prosper. Mm-hmm.
for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. If you're interested in obscure and little-seen sci-fi television, you might enjoy our podcast, Continuum Drag. We're a recap and review podcast watching science fiction TV and TV movies from the 60s to now. We've covered Galactica 1980, Almost Human, The Quester Tapes, Space Above and Beyond, Genesis 2, Tech War, Planet of the Apes, and many more. You can get Continuum Drag wherever you get podcasts. Discussing Network. Personal Log Supplemental. I remain in awe. It is the only word I can find for this feeling, and yet I know it is insufficient. When I saw Dr. Isa, I saw myself. I saw home. The turns of this life will never cease to surprise me. Who would have imagined that I, Saru of Kaminar, could have journeyed so far? And now I discover that there are others like me who made a similar journey. I believe it is our duty to find their vessel and learn what happened to them. We must bring their story back to Kaminar, to the Federation. Whether or not it will help us solve the burn, I do not know. But I feel certain that we owe it to them to try.